Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus to join us in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. How's this for a summer jacket? Somebody said, my mom had curtains like that. <laughs> Paisleys. I'm bringing the Saveneys back, baby. I said, hopefully I don't put anyone on TV into epileptic fits as they're, as they're watching. Uh, a quick shout out to uh, Scott and Teresa Sommerfeld. Uh, they had a baby, Logan Thomas, at our Appleton campus. Give them a hand. That's a sure way to grow a church. <laughs> Have lots of babies. Uh, a quick update with our Go Beyond campaign. This is our fundraising uh, effort, trying to raise $1.2 million. They're almost there. Uh, Green Bay, 676,000. Stevens Point, 128,000. Appleton, 72,000. For a grand total of $976,847. So praise God for that. <clears throat> Hang in there with us. Help us get to the top. We're almost there. Also, to give you a, a look, this is a Mission Sunday today. Once a month, we take a special offerings for missions, and that is definitely above and beyond just giving out uh, to missions uh, efforts, uh, not only at home, but all over the world. As you can see from our graph here, this year, or this last year, we've been up dramatically over the year before. So praise the Lord for that. Is our effort for the uh, orphanage in Myanmar. You know, Jimmy Bratcher, we support him as he goes into uh, crazy places <laughs> to preach the gospel. Now, the wells uh, in South America that we've been putting in, ministry at the Adamant Islands, the Manor for Life here in Green Bay, our celebration packs that we do for local outreach uh, to minister to people in our community, and, of course, our Latino campus, as well as part of our home mission. So all of that stuff you make possible with your additional faithfulness, building up and laying up treasures for in heaven. Best not to try and keep it all. You can't take it with you. Actually, there's a way you can't take it with you, and that's to give it away because you lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. You want to take it with you? Let go. <laughs> Praise God. It's good preaching. Somebody say Amen. amen. All right, now, <laughs> uh, we're continuing our series called Faith 101, and uh, let's do a little uh, recap of where we're at. It's a, it's a series where we're talking about some of the basic questions people have about faith. Oftentimes, those of us who have been in church for years and years and years, we don't talk about these things often because we just assume everybody knows it because we know it. But as the church grows and newer people are coming in, it's helpful for them to hear these things and put it into perspective for them. So we started out asking the question, why does God 
allow bad things to happen. And we looked at the fact that it's because of free will. God doesn't do these things. It's just people, people who are running from God, by and large, or who ignore God and get themselves in bad situations. Uh, everything isn't God, and everything isn't the devil. There's us in the middle, and we add enough grief of our own. You do something stupid, stupid things will happen. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not God. Why did God let my kitty run over? Because you left the door open, that's why. It had nothing to do with God. Why did my friend die in a motorcycle accident? Because they're going too fast without a helmet. All right, God doesn't do these things. Whatever some bad happens, oh, why did God let this God? Didn't have anything to do with it. Quit blaming God, all right? Now, then we ask the next question. Why do we pray? That is to get God to do things in our lives. That's where God shows up, when you pray. The number one reason people don't get answers to prayer, I promise you, is because they do not pray. They hope, they cry, they freak, they panic, okay? But they don't pray. You need to pray, and you need to make your case to God. That's why you pray. You don't just say, God, give me this, this, that, and the other. That's not praying. Tell God what you need, what you desire, and make your case to God when you're all by yourself. Why is it important? Why is it significant? What difference will it make? Ask God. Show him how this will help advance his kingdom. Look, Jesus pointed out that our relationship with God is very much like a father, that's why he called them fathers, okay? Listen, if your kid comes up to ask you for 100 bucks, what's the first question you ask? Why? Why do you, I need some money, why? First question, why? And if they can give you a good reason, okay. They give you a stupid reason, no. You can't have it. This is the same kind of relationship we have with God. Your, your kids just say, hey dad, I need this, 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 and the other. No, it doesn't work that way. Make your case. Make your case to God. He's not Santa Claus, all right? He's not looking for your list. Make your case to God. Pray. Ask God to move in your life. If you will invite God to move in your life, God will move in your life. That's the beauty of it. People say, well, how come God doesn't move in my life? Well, you probably don't pray. <laughs> it's just that simple, all right? And that, so we talked about that. That's why we pray. Uh, secondly, we ask the question. A lot of people have this question, you know, well, should you judge people? You shouldn't judge. You're judging. And we pointed out, biblically speaking, when saying something that's wrong is wrong is not judging. If somebody does something wrong and you say that's wrong, they say, you're judging me. That's not judging. Okay? Don't let this funny how people who ignore the Bible and do stuff really bad, they're very quick to quote the Bible inappropriately. You shouldn't judge. Jesus says don't judge. They don't think they know what Jesus said. Oh, that's not what he's talking about. If someone does something bad, destructive, mean, horrible, nasty, it's fine to call those things what they are. That's not judging. Judging is when somebody does something, you don't know why they do it, and you give the reason why. You look down your bony, easy, class, ecclesiastical nose and condemn other people. So that's what you're not supposed to be doing. The fact that the church should be pointing out what is right and what is wrong is not judging. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. Ah, uh, then we ask the question, why do we go to church? A lot of people, young people, why do we go to, why do you go to church? Because church is about connecting with God as a group. And people say, well, I can connect to God as much sitting on my back porch as I can in church. <laughs> no, you can't. You're delusional. And if you can, you need another church. <laughs> All right? 
You need to go someplace where people are connected with God and God loves to use people to minister to you. A lot of people say, you know, I'm convinced on judgment day, they're going to say, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? And he's going to say, I tried to answer your prayer 20 times. That guy over there had the answer. That lady over there had the answer for you. Why didn't you connect? Because you don't connect with people. Church is about connecting with people, okay? The people who take the time to get connected are the people that God uses people around them to minister to them and bless them and change their lives and enhance their lives. That's the power of the church. Leaving church at the end like it's the start of the Kentucky Derby, and they're off, is not church, all right? You need to connect with people. Now, I know some of you gotta leave right away. <laughs> Don't feel bad, but I just say you, you still, at some point, need to connect with people. There's great power in doing faith together. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Then one Sunday we asked the big question, who am I? Who am I? And we say that we are people of faith. We are who God says we are. He identifies. He defines us. Your feelings do not define that. We live in a culture that is obsessed with feelings. I am the way I am because I feel the way I am and I can't change the way I feel. Yes, you can. Okay, and even if you can, doesn't matter what you feel. There's a difference between what you feel and what you do. You might feel like strangling somebody, like your children all the way to church. All right, though you may feel it, you don't do it. You control yourself. Our feelings do not define us. And every, we live in a culture that is absolutely convinced because I feel it, I have to do it. No, no, you don't. Your feelings are an undetermined thing that just goes all over the place. You chase your feelings, your life will be a big zero. It'll be a disaster. God tells us who we are. Then we ask the question, why the Bible? Why do we believe in the Bible? Why do we read the Bible? Because the Bible has the standard for life. If you don't have a standard, then everything is a free-for-all. You have to have standards. In the United States of America, we have standards, weights, and measures. These are people that go around and make sure that when you get a gallon of gas, it's actually a gallon. Everybody doesn't get to just define what a gallon is. You know, some people say, well, a gallon's eh, about that much. <laughs> no, why? They do that to get more money out of you. But that's not a gallon. It's not a gallon till they say it's a gallon. And how do they know it's a gallon? Because it's measured against a very determined set measurement. And it is that measurement, and if they don't do it right, they get fined. Same with a gallon of milk or a gallon of anything or weights. All of it has their absolute defined rock-solid measurements that we measure things against or everything is a zoo and everybody's ripping off everybody else because nobody knows what the measurement. Well, it's the same is true in life. Without measurements, without being able to show what we should live our lives by, our lives will be a disaster. And as I pointed out, it's just the mirror to show you where you're at. Mirrors are our friends. Somebody say amen. I pointed out that all these beautiful women this morning, they didn't wake up looking this way. An amazing transformation happened. It's called a mirror. Thank God for mirrors. Everybody say amen. All right. All right. That's the Bible. And then last time we asked the question, why do we have to be saved? You say people need to be saved. Saved why? Because without God, every man, woman, and child is lost in sin. And that's why Jesus died on the cross, to save us from our sins. 
Anyway, today now, we want to talk about forgiveness. What is forgiveness and why is it important? Now, as we stated uh, at the beginning, when we all stood and said the Apostles' Creed, we recited this phrase, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. It's absolutely key to the Christian experience. Now, that doesn't mean the balancing of sins. We don't believe in the balancing out of sins. You know the balancing, that's when someone says, well, if I'm just, you know, you know, a little bit better than I am bad, then that balances it all out. And, and if I can just be a little bit better than I'm bad, then I get into heaven because God will go, okay. No, that's not how it works. You can't balance it out. There is no balancing of sins. You think you're gonna balance it out? When you get to God, it's like, it's like that. All right, our sins get us in a mess. You can't balance it out by being nice to little old ladies. God bless all the little old ladies, amen. And you should be nice to them, but that's not gonna fix it for you. There's no way you can fix it. It's called forgiveness. And the great thing about the Christian experience is you start out experiencing God's forgiveness. As I've said many times to you, Christianity is unlike every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world. People have to do things to experience God. I've got to say all these prayers, or I've got to go to all these classes, or I've got to meditate, um, um, whatever they've got to do, and they do this thing, and they hope after doing all this stuff that perhaps they'll be able to reach and touch God. Christianity is exactly the opposite. When you come to Jesus, you immediately experience God. Boom. And you don't know Jack. You don't know anything about anything. You haven't earned it. You haven't prayed for it. You haven't, you know, gone through classes. You immediately, if you will surrender your heart today, I don't care who you are, where you live, what you've done. And I see you people out there. <laughs> if you'll come to God in faith, he will forgive you and breathe the breath of God into your life. And it is an incredible experience. It's wonderful. It is freeing. It's lifting the weight of sin off of your shoulders. Okay? This is what forgiveness is all about in God. Even though you don't know anything about the Bible. It doesn't really matter. It, you start out in Christianity experiencing God. You don't have to do all these things to get to God. We do all these other things now just because that's, we learn that's what God wants us to do. But it's not to earn God's love and it's not to earn his forgiveness and not to earn touching God. We start out being touched by God. That's what makes Christianity so amazing. That's why we call the gospel the good news. When you compare Christianity to the pagan religions of past and to other religions of today, the difference between the Christian experience and what everybody else has got to do, this is seriously good news. Because you immediately can experience God by faith in Jesus Christ. And it's quite powerful, life-changing. That's why God sent Jesus in the world. It's so that we could experience forgiveness of sins. That's why he died on the cross. He took the weight of the world. And if you'll come to him in faith, he can breathe new life into you. I remember the first time I asked Jesus into my life. I was a 16-year-old kid in trouble, up to my eyeballs. Actually, I was at the time, smoking, not cigarettes. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and someone came and started talking to me about Jesus. Now, the guy had only been a Christian like for two weeks himself, but he was lit up like a Christmas tree. And he was talking about how we could know God could forgive us. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died so that we could have forgiveness of sins. And I'm looking at him going, 
And he was so happy. And as he started talking, it's like I could see Jesus on the cross looking down at me and saying, I love you. And, and I'm crying. And this guy's telling me about the Bible and everything. Now, after I became a Christian, I found out 90% of everything he said was wrong. Because <laughs> he didn't know anything, right? You know, you try explaining the book of Revelations after two weeks of Christianity. <laughs> You're going to be a little inaccurate. But uh, he's blabbing. He was so excited talking about Jesus. I finally said, man, pray with me so I can find Jesus too. He said, no, I'm not done yet. And he just kept talking. <laughs> Three times I had to interrupt him. Finally, we prayed, and I opened up my heart, and it was like the weight of the world was lifted off of my shoulders and the breath of God. Oh, man. And it changed my life. That was 40-some years ago, and I haven't been the same since. It's a wonderful thing to know God in your life. That's what Christianity is all about. I didn't know anything about anything, but immediately experienced God. That's the power of the gospel. So clearly... Forgiveness is the central message of Christianity. But I want to ask you this question this morning. Is there anything that you could do that would keep God from forgiving you? And shockingly, the answer is yes. Ooh, what would that be? Let's take a look. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus told the people, this is how you should pray. He didn't mean to literally say the prayer, even though we just said it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. All that stuff that we said together. Uh, Many churches do this. And a lot of people, when they pray, they'll pray this prayer. But he didn't say just to repeat it like a robot. That wasn't the power of it. He said, pray like this. And these are the kind of things you should be saying when you pray. And that was the point. It's a kind of a guiding prayer. Anyway, the prayer was rather radical. Our Father, they didn't call God Father at that point. They looked at God as some kind of scary king. If you did the right thing, the king would not kill you. That was the good news. If you did the wrong thing, the king would knock you out, man. These people lived in fear. They feared of God like that. And you're calling him father? And your kingdom come? Your will be done on earth like it's in heaven? Is that even possible? Give us this day our daily bread. God will actually help you live life today, help you with your needs today. It was all radical. But Jesus said something that freaked them out. And it wasn't any of those things. As radical as they were, he said something that just... And Jesus, we know it freaked them out because Jesus started talking about it as soon as he was done. See, we read the Lord's Prayer and we stop. Jesus didn't stop. He kept talking. Let's read what he says. In verse 12, actually, he said, this way he wraps it up, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he goes on to say, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And he underscores it even more. In case you didn't catch that, let me run it by you another way. And Jesus says this, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Whoa, that's pretty strong. Now, all their lives, these people have been taught an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I'll hurt you right back. You kill me, I kill you. I kill you. Look it up on YouTube, it's hilarious. 
But this is the way they live. And Jesus comes and says, no, 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 no. You have to forgive people. In fact, every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you pray, forgive me like I forgive other people. And Jesus went out of his way to point out, because if you don't forgive other people, God will not forgive you. I mean, that's shocking. That's horrifying. That should just shake the willies out of you when you think about that. Everything Jesus did to bring forgiveness into the world, and it hinges on whether or not you'll forgive people. As people, and I've never understood this. Oftentimes, I hear Christians struggle with forgiveness. And they say, well, pastor, you know, I'm still growing in forgiveness. Growing? It's Christianity 101. You talk about Christianity 101, this is it. The most fundamental thing is that God will forgive you. Step number two is you gotta forgive other people. There's no growing in this. You can't go around hating people, despising people. Pastor, you don't know my mother-in-law. I don't care. You can't hate her. You can't hate your husband. You can't hate your ex-wife. You can't hate anybody. You don't forgive people. You're in a bad place. I don't care what they did to you. You have to let it go. Well, Pastor, you just can't take one thing Jesus said like, okay, here's another one. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Matthew in the 18th chapter We read this in the Bible. It says, Peter comes to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. I mean, he's being very giving at this point. I'll impress Jesus. How many times do I have to put up with their nonsense? Seven times. You know, because the world they live in, eye for an eye. He thought, boy, he's really reflecting back the love of God. Now, should I go seven times? And Jesus answered this. He says, I tell you, Not seven times, but 70, seven times. Or other translations, 70 times seven would be 490. What's the point? The point is you've got to forgive people. And that doesn't mean you actually count that far. (laughs) Okay, you're up to 430. (laughs) No, no, no. It means there's no limit. There's not. Now, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean you have to let people hurt you. Someone's punching you, I suggest you step back. Get out of the way, okay? And even if somebody hurts you and you forgive them, you may still feel the pain of what that person did to you. If I stab you with a knife this morning in the arm, and I promise not to do that. Pastor Lathan may, but I will not. If I stab you in the arm, you're going, ah, and I go, oh, I'm sorry. Well, you say, okay, I forgive you, but we're still going to have to take you to the emergency room <laughs> because I stabbed you, okay? And it hurts, and it may hurt for weeks and months, and hopefully, if nobody stabs you again in the same place, it will heal. The fact that you hurt doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven. The fact that you have pain doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. The fact that you want to get out of the way for, of someone who is destructive and mean doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven. But it does mean you have to let it go. You have to forgive people, even though you might still be healing. Somebody, but don't hang on to stuff. Don't, if someone asks you, is there anybody you hate? You should really have to go, and you can't find anybody. There's nobody. 
I don't hate anybody. I'm not bitter, mean, angry at anybody. You mean no one's ever hurt you? Yeah. Who are they? And I've got to actually think about it. But I don't want to think about it. I, I let it go. You have to let it. Do you know why? Because I need forgiveness. I am a mess. I know it's hard to believe that I... I said that the first service, and I went, no, no. <laughs> yes, even I will make mistakes. I need forgiveness, and I know I have to forgive other people. So Jesus is not 70 times, 77 times or whatever, and then he tells a story. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man owed him, who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Now, if I just had 10,000 bags with one piece of gold, that's a lot of gold. But he had 10,000 bags of gold he owed to this king. Now, you got to think, who loaned somebody 10,000? That was a deal gone bad. That was a Donald Trump mess up somewhere, you know what I'm saying? 10,000, you got, yeah, I got 10,000 bags of gold. Yeah, we all have, you know, little this here and there, but holy cow. 10,000 bags, how do you get in that mess? And he says, hey, dude, where's my money? And in verse 25, Jesus said, well, since he was not able to pay, it was a debt he could not pay. The analogy here is your sin is a debt you cannot pay. As I said, you cannot be nicer than you were bad. You cannot buy forgiveness. Our sin is a debt we cannot pay. It must be forgiven. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. <laughs> you think you get calls from a debt collector is a bad day. These people would take you and sell you. Sell you, your wife, your kids, and I know you've thought about selling your kids, but that's when somebody else sells your kids. Everything you have. Even up to not that long ago, there used to be debtor prisons in Western culture. You failed to pay the debt, you went in a hooskow, man. The fact that somebody yells at you is nothing today. So he orders... This guy, his wife, his kids, everything, sell it to try and recover what he can of the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything, which is ridiculous. He couldn't. It was a debt he could not pay. Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Oh, man. Can you imagine that day? You're all stressed out because you can't make the rent this month. I mean, this is 10,000 bags of gold. And the king goes, forget about it. Cool! Woo! That's a fabulous day! And you think you'd have been in a really good mood. Well, look what he does. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. 100 silver coins, a debt that could be paid. He had a debt he could not pay, but someone else who could pay it. And so he grabs the guy and begins to choke him. <laughs> pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Well, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged to be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. What a jerk. He just had 10,000 bags of gold canceled. 
Someone owed him a few silver coins and he's strangling him. Turns him in, has him thrown into prison. Well now, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged because they knew the story. They went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, he said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And look what Jesus said. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You're that angry at someone else, you can't forgive them. You're that bitter at someone else, you can't let it go. You're in a bad place. Pastor, you just can't take two times Jesus. All right, here's another one. Mark, the 11th chapter, Jesus says this, is recorded. When you stand praying, when you're praying, you're talking to God. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Why? so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. God desperately wants to forgive people. He desperately, look at what he went through to bring forgiveness. He wants to forgive you, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what. This might be the first time you've been in church in 100 years. He wants to forgive you. It doesn't matter, you can't earn it. He does, but, you cannot turn around and hate somebody else. You cannot turn around and not forgive somebody else. Again, you don't have to put yourself in a situation where you keep hurting. You might be in a situation where it might take years for you to heal of the stabbing that person has done to you. But you have to let it go. Forgive us as we forgive others. If there's any group of people on the face of the earth who should be the most willing and quick to forgive, it is a devout Christian because he understands these truths. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, we're so grateful that we can experience forgiveness. Lord, help us now to forgive others. Help us to let it go. And right now, when everybody's... You got your eyes bowed, your, your head bowed, your eyes closed, just think, if you have someone right now that you can think of that comes to mind where you, you have this bitterness against them, just say to God, I let it go. I let it, help me to let it go. If you feel you can't ask God to help you, help me to let it go. Don't hold anything against people. Let it go. Forgive us as we forgive others. Amen. Have a great day. Amen.